from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about one of the uh, hottest topics on the internet. Uh, We were just discussing before we went on air. I said I think if your Google profile is uh, a little bit geeky and and nerdy and security enough, if you type in the phrase how-to, it may just automatically populate there for you in the search suggestions the the next uh, thing that we're going to talk about uh, here with our, our guest this week, which is how to secure WordPress. Uh, for those of you that are not in the uh, tech side of the world, uh, WordPress is the thing that powers um, almost uh, a quarter of the Internet. Uh, if you're out there and you go to a, a website for your favorite store, your restaurant, uh, a, a business um, that you, you may, a uh, law firm, a uh, medical practice, all of those things, there's a, a at least a one in four chance and maybe a, a 50% chance uh, on those type of businesses that it's running on, on a WordPress site. We're joined today by a real expert in this from a company that runs uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of WordPress sites. Uh, I don't know if they, they disclose these numbers, but a ton of them for web design agencies, uh, for individual businesses, uh, and for enterprises. Uh, so, Justin, uh, thank you for uh, coming to join us this week. Yeah, it's really good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, your day job is to keep this stuff safe. Day job is to keep WordPress safe. Yes. Yeah. So, can you, uh, for those uh, listening that have not heard of WordPress before, I mean, I shared a little stats about it. it's a quarter of the internet, but uh, what is it, how did it get there, and, and why are people building so many websites on it? Yeah, so WordPress is it's open source technology for one, um, which means the code is open source. Anyone can contribute to it. Um, you just need to have expertise in it and you need to go through the proper channels to actually contribute to it. So people really appreciate that aspect of it and they get transparency into what's actually happening. And then in addition to that, so it's a content management system, which means um, you don't necessarily have to code everything in your website. You actually get to go in and there's a nice UI and you can um, you can actually visually configure what's going to happen in your website. And you don't necessarily have to know how to write PHP code or Python code or, or anything like that. You can actually just be a, a novice web user and go in and create your own website with some pretty looking themes. And one of the things about WordPress that's make it, made it so successful, along with the open source, is it's adopted a, a very pluggable architecture. So um, there's just massive amounts of WordPress plugins, WordPress themes, and you can go through and, for instance, when you're setting up your site, the first thing you do is like, okay, well, what kind of what kind of theme do I want to start with? Maybe I'm creating a, a shop. I'm going to sell necklaces. So I'm going to go look for e-commerce-based themes, and there's thousands of them out there, right? Um, and then there's some great plugins like WooCommerce that allow you to really like set up and manage the site. So it helps you... Um, helps you to price items, helps you to be able to like track your inventory and all, all that stuff that just makes it very user-friendly for people that aren't extremely tech savvy. And then basically you can go from that and like you start looking at, okay, what kind of functionality do I want on my site? I want users to be able to interact with me on social media. So I'll go install some social media plugins. And um, it just, it allows you to very quickly connect all the pieces together. And um, it also gives you the flexibility to sort of dive under the hood too, if you want to. Um, it's open source. All the code is is there and available for you, and that includes the plugins. Um, 
So when you install a plugin, if you need to tweak it a little bit, if you need to tweak a theme um, and you're savvy enough to go in there and sort of get your hands dirty, you can customize it as much as you want to. Yeah, but for those that are not technically savvy, I mean, it's as easy as using a, a web-based email. So like if you're going to edit the, a page on your website, if you can go in and use a web browser-based email client and you can edit and send an email to somebody, you can edit a web page on your site. So that's how easy WordPress makes it. And with that accessibility, um, and then as, as Justin described, this pluggable and modular architecture, this is is where the complexity comes in. And for those cybersecurity professionals out there, they hear the word complexity and they, they scream in terror in a way. This complexity makes it difficult to understand all the pieces, the components. And for the attackers, they only need to find one chink in the armor. They only need to find one weakness. You can secure 99 out of 100 things on your site, but if they find one flaw, then they can get in and go from there. So Justin, as you, you talked about WordPress, the code is open source. And, and many of the folks say, well, open source should be the safest thing ever because everyone can audit the code. Millions of people have seen it. So is a open source just not as secure as folks think? Or, or what is it that really drives some of this security vulnerability in the, the WordPress architecture? Uh, right. So that's, that's a great observation to make with it, it being open source. You get a lot of eyes on the code, which admittedly makes makes code quality a lot better overall, um, but still not perfect, right? Humans aren't perfect. Everyone's not reviewing every tiny piece of code that goes in. Like you have a set of reviewers and someone might happen to look at some code, but once again, it depends on who's putting that in there, who's looking at it and what their expertise and thought process is. And it's not always perfect. So even with all those eyes on it, you'll still have problems. And one of the things with WordPress as well, so the great plugin theme ecosystem, you have thousands out there, as I mentioned, that also means thousands of developers of varying quality that are developing and publishing these plugins and themes. And while the WordPress official repository tries to maintain a, a stance of, of keeping um, the code that goes in there to a certain standard, certain quality, there's still stuff that slips through the cracks, right? They have a review process, but um, when you have so many submissions, so many plugin version updates and just code changes constantly, it becomes very hard to really really track all those and ensure that they're secure to the, the top quality. And so um, there are, as I mentioned, varying skills from those developers. Um, and really some of them follow better practices than others. And um, that can really end up biting you or really benefiting you, right? So one of the things is actually to, to try to stick with um, the approved and like mainstream themes and plugins. And that's, um, that's one way that you can sort of mitigate and uh, reduce your attack vectors. Yeah, so those those mainstream themes and plugins more likely to have a thorough code review process and other pieces. So as you um, spend your time um, dealing with WordPress security issues on a regular basis, how many of them come from the actual WordPress core project code itself versus themes and plugins? I don't have numbers, but off the top of my head, I would say it's 95 plus percent from themes and plugins. Um, WordPress core is they've over the years sort of um, developed and adapted their their practices around security and code development and code reviews. Um, and I'll say they have a pretty good system in place now um, that even when even when critical vulnerabilities are discovered, at least in the past, I'm going to say year to two years, it has been a majority discovered by actual security researchers who have practiced responsible disclosure. Um, and disclosed them to the WordPress Foundation. And then they have taken their notification process to be able to notify um, providers like us 
ahead of time. So we're able to sort of take action and um, be ready, if you will, for because as soon as that code change is actually posted, before the update is even pushed out and available, as soon as that code change is posted, a savvy person can go in and look, it's open source, right? So they yeah. can go in and look and see, oh, well, they're changing this thing here, but their commit message had nothing to do with that actual change. So you can go in and kind of read between the lines and see. Um, so from that perspective, like you can have some, some potential zero days out there if you're not taking action to quickly update um, after that happens. So it becomes like a very tricky flow when you're actually going through that just due to the visibility and the eyes on that. And of course, attackers are, are looking at that with very, very closely because um, that gives them vectors in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as WordPress core has been, has been pretty good as of late. And it's really the plugins that like suffer the, the majority of vulnerabilities. And then one thing is just keeping things up to date, right? Um, so it's not even necessarily that the newest versions of these plugins or even WordPress core are, are vulnerable. Um, it's that vulnerabilities come out and users don't take action to go through and, and update. And that what that leaves is these vulnerabilities that have been known about, published in the wild for months or years are, are just sitting there waiting to be exploited. Yeah, and for, for those uh, that experienced or saw in the news, uh, the WannaCry ransomware that uh, infected a bunch of uh, Windows uh, computers, Microsoft had released patches for the vulnerability that that uh, ransomware worm exploited. And if you had gone in and patched and updated uh, your operating system, then you wouldn't have had that problem. But we saw um, a uh, Honda plant over in Japan. We saw the National Health Service in the UK. We saw um, lots of folks not patching and updating uh, in a timely manner because it's complicated um, to patch and update uh, sometimes. Because from uh, WordPress, so does WordPress work only on one specific version of an operating system with one specific web ver uh, web server technology, or to, to how how do you how many different ways can you deploy WordPress? You can deploy it quite a few different ways, right? So it relies on PHP. PHP is the actual, the backend code that's running. Um, it can be deployed in Linux environments, Windows environments, um, basically anything that has a, a web server that's able to execute PHP. And um, it works with uh, a few different versions of PHP. Some plugins are not compatible with some of the older ones. Um, most stuff is compatible with PHP 7 nowadays, which is great to use as it's much, much faster than uh, the 5X variety. Um, but yeah, it's a variety of different platforms. Um, ultimately, anything that can host a web server, execute PHP, you could you could host WordPress there, and people probably are. Last, I was really digging into the WordPress security world. Most of the deployments, I think, then were on the Apache Foundation's HTTP project. Are you seeing a shift across the WordPress world to folks using Nginx or other different uh, web technologies these days from a, a web server perspective? Yeah, I think HTTPD is like, it's quick to set up, it's easy to use, right? Um, Nginx, um, I have seen a lot of people going towards Nginx just due to its its speed and scalability. Um, it becomes more lightweight and allows you to really um, sort of tweak and configure more to your liking. So if you know what you're doing, it can be a much more powerful tool in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, it, it allows you to easily incorporate um, things like caching layers and stuff like that. So you can uh, you can kind of do some some magic with it. 
Yeah, and then uh, you have folks on on Windows running Internet Information Server, but uh, Apache HTTPD also runs on Windows. Does Nginx run on Windows these days? Do you know? I actually don't know off the top of my head. I don't know no. either. Yeah, <laughs> I would be kind of um, scared to explore that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so you have all of these different comb- combinations and permutations to test. So this is one is you're you're listening and thinking, well, if this is the powering a quarter of the internet, why can't the developers in this project make it safe? Well. Software is built in a, a layer cake model. An analogy I'd, I'd like to use is uh, from a house where you've got the foundation and one team builds the foundation and someone else comes in and builds the frame on top and then you build the roof on top of that. And when you're building a house, uh, everyone really works together. It's Everything's pretty tightly coordinated. Um, and you double check to make sure that that frame will be able to be built on that foundation that the frame is going to be able to support the roof tile if you're going to do asphalt shingles or uh, if you're going to do ceramic tile you've got to do a different frame and you've got to have a different foundation to deal with the weight of the house and all of those uh, folks are really working together from top to bottom in that stack building a house and that's why houses don't fall down well this can happen in in technology as well if you have a, a team of trained experts that are managing the operating system and that web server technology and then managing wordpress the application on top of the web server then all of those pieces work together very well and you can keep things safe. But the the folks that are building the foundation, if they're not talking to the folks that are gonna come put the frame in the roof on the house and you've got folks that are not experts now, it makes it into a spot where you, you end up with any one of those areas if you have a problem, then WordPress ends up ultimately getting blamed for all of these um, because it's the application there at the front. Like if, if the roof leaks or the roof has a problem the roof has to get replaced you're not often going to blame the framing guy or blame the foundation guy you're going to end up blaming the roofer for the the roof having a problem and uh this is i think where wordpress gets uh, picked on and maybe beat up a little bit out there where it doesn't necessarily deserve uh some of the the rap that it gets it could be a flaw anywhere in the stack below it and it just happens to be that wordpress is the application running on that that shaky foundation yeah, that's definitely true. And I really like that analogy. Um, there's So when you're thinking about security threats and, and modeling and where, if you're hosting a website, what you need to be worried about, it's all the way from um, you think about the, the server, the operating system that's hosting. So whether it be Windows-based, Unix-based, you're going to have to worry about threats on that level. And then like you worry about um, your, so your HTTP server. So like if you're running Apache, HTTPD, if you're running Nginx, whatever that layer might be. Um, as well as like your, your PHP configuration, right? Like what version of PHP are you using? What is it vulnerable to? What, how have you configured that environment? Is it actually a safe configuration you've put into place there? Um, and then that, that goes all the way to the WordPress, like the application layer, right? So, and then there's, there's tons just on the front end there that if it's um, not properly managed and configured, and it can be a serious risk to you. And, it, and it, for a lot of users, it's just um, the not knowing exactly how they should be configuring that and not following the best practices. And so I really like to preach, um, preach education in that sense, um, to go out and, and do your research and understand like the threat model that you face. Um, and if you're using like a, a managed platform, a managed platform provider like us, so we're, we're managing everything but the WordPress for you. Um, you just need to worry about that WordPress piece. If you're super techie and you want to take on that whole stack, you know, like you're welcome to, but that's much more that you have to worry about and be educated on and um, be up to speed on. And like like we kind of mentioned earlier, um, it takes a lot of active effort. So you constantly have to be um, monitoring and updating these components to make sure you don't, you don't fall behind. Um, Attackers aren't falling behind. 
Um, and so if, you, if you're slacking on, on those updates and really um, staying with it, you're ultimately gonna pay the price at some point. Um, and it, it becomes a, a lot to, to take in and manage and that's, that's why you see um, a lot of people gravitating towards like these managed providers that are able to give them sort of like a, a sandboxed environment to where you say, okay, we're gonna take care of all this stuff for you and here's your instance and that's all you have to worry about at that point. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is CyberTalk Radio, and this week we're talking WordPress security. I'm joined with Justin Daly, a security uh, manager and engineer at uh, WP Engine, a company that uh, takes care and, as uh, he was mentioning, runs uh, secure WordPress environments uh, for folks to then build and, and run their websites and web WordPress-based applications on top of. Um, so, yeah, and as you're going through talking about this uh, the updating, maintaining um, it's it's one in the technology world, I think, especially we see with the open source. You get this this really do-it-yourself crowd. Uh, and uh, from a, a home perspective, like I think a lot of folks in that do-it-yourself crowd, they'll um, tinker with things. You might do a, a little repair underneath the sink. You might uh, do a, hang a new light fixture. Uh, but most of the time, people aren't like plumbing a whole new bathroom themselves or they're not uh, going to Home Depot, and you could go buy all the parts to, to build your own bathroom from scratch, uh, but you can't do this. You need permits. You need all these things. In the technology world, you don't need permits or anything. You can go download the source code. You can um, get a website up and running. You can do all of this stuff uh, without any of those, and, and I think we see a lot of folks because uh, there's an article on there on how to set up a WordPress site for your business. You can Google that, and you're going to find a list of millions of articles on the Internet telling you all about how to do that. And it's going to show you how to set up a WordPress site for your business in three simple steps. I'll bet that post exists as well. And you're going to go, wow, I can do this and, and do it well. And, and you can set it up and you can make the site look pretty with themes, as Justin mentioned. And if you uh, miss the early part of our conversation, uh, we post a rebroadcast and uh, we put this up online on iTunes podcast, Pocket Cast, or on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. There's themes and plugins. You can make it look pretty, but at every point in time, you need to be reading WordPress security updates and plug-in security articles and all of these things on an ongoing basis, or uh, you're just going to end up at some point where the attacker breaks in and they're in your website. Um, and they're pretty good at, at getting in and, and hiding inside as well. All right, definitely. Attackers, they, they don't stop. Um, so they have many motivations, mainly money. Um, they're seeking to, to exploit these resources and, and take advantage of them for their benefit. And uh, it's a really interesting point you bring up about the sort of DIY. And WordPress is perfect for DIY, you know? Like, I want to spin up my own blog. That's how WordPress started, right? It's like, oh, it's a great, like, blogging platform. Like, it's really easy to use. Um, you can have a blog spun up in, in no time at all. Like you said, three steps. You, you can probably do it in two now. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, like, even someone that's just a DIY kind of person, they want to learn some of this technology. They want to get their hands dirty. Like it's great to, to start going down that path. But then once you get to the point where, oh, you have a significant resource that's a, a WordPress site, you know, like many businesses are building either just their, their site. So basically the face of your business or actually your entire core business. So these WordPress sites that serve functionality, right? So like stores are a good example. It might be a forum. Um, it can be like just a full on news site that that's actually where people go to, to engage with your content. Um, so there's there's all kinds of ways that people are, are building their companies around WordPress. And once it gets to that point, it becomes more important. Right. So at that point, you're not just DIY like this is my hobby personal site. It's like this is actually um, 
probably a large portion of your income or even like the company that you founded. Um, so it becomes much more important, much more relevant at that point. And that's when you want to start taking steps to really um, uh, like understand and fully secure and uh, protect those assets. Yeah. And, and I mean, as you mentioned, uh, the news sites, I mean, there's uh, major uh, publications that run their whole business on WordPress. Uh, there's a the one here in, in our market, I know, that uh, runs their uh, site um, and they've got uh, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 journalists out there uh, writing articles and uh, driving a lot of, of page views and traffic to that. And um, this, those are the kind of sites that hackers um, like to get into. Uh, potentially there because then they can put in malware and all the people that are going to go read those news articles, if they've got a vulnerability in their browser, end up uh, getting infected by visiting that news site. So the news site example is one where they may not be doing any e-commerce directly on that site. And you think, if I'm not taking money on my site, I don't have to worry about securing it. Well, you don't want all the people that are coming to visit your business ending up as as victims. Uh, I mean, this is one where you may not get robbed specifically yourself, but now you are uh, an agent effectively of a, a criminal organization, and, and those folks are able to infect all of your customers and steal from them, uh, which is not what anyone wants. And there's a, a example of, out there as well. Some of these new sites are recommending, please turn off your ad blocker. And where there have been it's issues over the last few years where there have been malware served up through ads online and different news sites have ended up then delivering malware out to uh, customers uh, because they're please support our site by turning off your ad blocker on our site and you end up ending up creating victims there. So it's one where regardless of if you think, you know what, I'm not taking money on my site, I don't really need to pay attention to the security. My customers know that like if my website got hacked and somebody put up a bad picture or whatever else, they know that's not me, it'll be okay. Um, but there's the the days I think of the the web defacement where some teenager puts up a, a funny picture on your website instead of it being your real website, those are long gone. And Justin mentioned that folks out there now are motivated by money. Um, most of the hacking on the internet is done by organized criminal enterprise, uh, and these folks are, are very sophisticated and and very patient as well. Uh, so we're uh, getting ready here uh, in a couple of minutes for the news, traffic, and weather update at the bottom of the hour. The second half of the program this week, we're going to deep dive into uh, some of the what is Justin's daily life? What does it look like uh, in the week of a, a WordPress security team? What's uh, patching, updating, management? How many people does this really take to keep things safe? Uh, I want to go into that level of detail. Uh, we'll help any of those DIY practitioners. If you really want to try to DIY this, um, Justin's going to give you a lot of tips. Uh, our, my real recommendation, unless you're operating at a very, very large scale, I mean, if you're a top 10 newspaper, you should have your own security team. Maybe you should try to go do what Justin's doing. If you're not at that scale, if you're not one of the top 100 e-commerce sites on, online, you probably should not be trying to hire a security team and do this stuff yourself. There's not a ton of folks out there in the market like Justin. Uh, this is one of the topics we've covered on this program on a regular basis, just the shortage of cybersecurity aware technical talent. Um, there's hundreds of thousands of job openings posted today, and we really believe there's probably millions of job openings that just latent jobs that are not posted because employers know that even if I put up a, a job posting for this, I'm never going to get a candidate, so why even bother? If you wanted to learn more about uh, all of those uh, job and uh, career and cyber uh, employment issues uh, so that you could fill one of those jobs, if you want to learn some about the problems and constraints in the market, uh, you can listen to our past episodes uh, on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, you can also find them on iTunes Podcasts, 
Pocket Casts on your Android device uh, or on our YouTube channel as well. You're listening to Cyber Talk Radio. We will be right back after the break. News, traffic, and weather on 1200 WAI. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by Justin Daly from WP Engine, and we're talking how to secure WordPress. Uh, in this uh, half of the program, uh, we're going to go uh, deep dive into this. So uh, I'm going to pretend that uh, I've been trying to run a WordPress site myself, not doing a very good job, because uh, frankly, you've just got to stay on top of things all the time, and it's a lot of work. Uh, so uh, Justin's going to walk us through all of the uh, things that uh, he would do if I handed him my WordPress site and uh, handed him root access to my server, and he's going to start going through from there to uh, dig in. If you wanted to learn uh, more just about WordPress in general, um, what it does on the Internet and all of those, we covered that in the first half of the program, and you can listen to a rebroadcast, uh, a replay of this, on iTunes Podcast, Pocket Casts, uh, our YouTube channel, or our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. It'll be uh, posted online on Tuesday here uh, after our broadcast on air on Saturday night. If you're listening to us online, uh, thank you for uh, listening on in, and uh, know that you can catch us each weekend at 11 p.m. on Saturday night night on 1200 WAI on your AM radio dial or on iHeart Radio on your Android, uh, iOS device, or even on your computer uh, all across the internet. So, uh, Justin, how did you get yourself into uh, WordPress security to begin with? Oh, goodness. It's, it's been a long journey. Um, actually came from uh, just a computer science, computer engineering background um, focused on digital electronics, actually. So FPGAs, which are field programmable gate arrays. Um, it's a very hardware digital focused, um, but I've always kind of gravitated towards the software side, kept part of my head uh, in that side of things and also in the security world through the years. And um, yeah, just sort of um, gravitated that way professionally as well and um, wound up at WP Engine with pri no prior WordPress experience. But um, it's, been a, it's been a ride to sort of learn all of that exposure and um, just see the, the many ways that WordPress is used. and. Um, just the power of WordPress and also see, of course, the security side of it is what interests me heavily. And that's how many different ways people can take advantage of, of people using WordPress and, and then just the web in general. Yeah. So if you're uh, thinking about a security job in cybersecurity or WordPress or any of these, as Justin said there, I think if, if you have a solid fundamental background in technology, and then you have the uh, attitude to learn, to dig in, to improve your skills on a daily basis. There's opportunities out there for you. So 
Um, don't feel like you uh, need to go back and, and get a college degree in cybersecurity specifically. Those help. They're useful. It's wonderful. They help you think through a lot of frameworks. But if you have the technical skills, understanding, and a desire to go in and learn every day, uh, you can build the skills you need to get a uh, job in these fields. So uh, if you're in there and you're uh, thinking about, well, what should I learn to secure WordPress? So I guess uh, here we go into uh, securing this, Justin. So I've given you uh, my uh, Fedora Linux box. So you've got access to it now. You've got uh, root. You've Telnetted in. No, you've, you've not Telnetted in. Anyone, <laughs> if you're running Telnet on any machine out there right now, uh, please go in and disable that service. Uh, if you don't know how to disable the service, please just turn the server off. So I, I've used SSH to actually securely to securely connect using approved modern ciphers. So I've done this very, very safely and securely. Yeah, um, that's good. So yeah, at, at that point, you know, you're, you're looking at a few things like when, so you're considering now you have the full stack to, to think about, right? So you have to start thinking about the base operating system level, right? So you're hosting a website. That means you have to be publicly addressable. So you at least have some ports open to the wide internet. Um, like you mentioned, Telnet might be one of them. Hopefully it's not. Um, but yeah, that's the first first thing you want to look at is like, okay, how am I actually exposed? Um, what services am I running? And it, it should ideally be as minimal as possible. So you might have SSH because of course you need to connect and actually administer. Um, and then you've probably got 443 for secure HTTP and then AD for unsecure HTTP potentially. And then maybe you're looking at, you know, FTP or SFTP for actually uploading files to the server as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you might have other services running you didn't know about. Maybe you just installed some package that was running, um, listening on some yeah. port, you know. Um, so it, that's important to take a look at and understand sort of what's installed, what's running on that system, um, as well as like, are you keeping it up to date? Um, how, how are you managing that system and what are your practices around that, right? Are you patching on a, a regular basis, daily, weekly, um, any sort of cadence there? Um, do you have, are you tapping into any sort of threat feeds to understand when your installed packages are, are becoming vulnerable? Yeah. Um, all things to think about and just knowing how, how you're exposed on, on that level, because the reality is if you're, if you're hosting a website on the internet, you're in publicly addressable space. So you're, you're fair game. Um, and even more so, if you have a domain tied to your IP address, then it's not just random scanners that are going to come and find you. It's people that, that see your domain that visit your website. Um, so it, it makes you a target in a lot of different ways. And you'll commonly see people that are hosting websites on servers that are doing other things as well. They might be hosting like IRC servers or just ridiculous things. Um, and it's funny to see how many things people overlook and what they just don't lock down. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we haven't mentioned yet that you need a, a database uh, to as well to run with WordPress. Uh, it's almost always run with MySQL, uh, the most common database to run with it. There's ways to run it with other databases, but it's almost always running with MySQL. So if you're going to go in and, and you're running a WordPress site, uh, MySQL has to listen on a port as well. WordPress communicates it with it over uh, a, an open port. Uh, and so on that machine, looking at the interface configuration, you should have a, a loopback or a local interface. You should have another IP address um, on that machine that MySQL is listening on. MySQL should not be listening on the internet routable IP address. It should not be, especially on the one that's mapped to your website. Like if we scan your website uh, from the IP it's listening on or from your domain name to get to the IP, we shouldn't see the MySQL port there. We also should not see the, the 
PHP my admin or we shouldn't see the, the MySQL admin as a lot of people use these uh, web add-ins uh, add-ons and plugins uh, to manage um, to make these things simpler uh, to take the operations because running a database can be kind of complicated but um, you can use those tools but they need to not be on that publicly routable address and uh, that's one of the real common um, configuration errors I see out there yeah absolutely and MySQL is is way up there for concern right because if if access to that is if someone's able to gain access to that that's essentially control of your website that's where wordpress pulls everything from that's where it stores all the posts all your content all your media everything um, so we actually see compromises where people will get access to a site maybe they find like a sql injection or maybe you actually left your sql configuration in the default mode and so your port is just exposed and what they'll do is they'll inject their content into your wp headers and so what that means is every time someone loads a page, it populates with that WP header from the database. And that actually might contain some malicious content like we were talking about earlier, or maybe they're just injecting their own ads into your page. And therefore all your page views are translating into ad revenue for them, right? Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really great thing to look out for. And um, just to sort of inform our listeners, like one of the tools that people use um, to just sort of profile servers in map basically network mapper and so what that does is you just point it at an ip address and it will scan um it, you can scan all ports if you want or you can do quick cursory scans and sort of just scan the most highly used ports so mysql has a default port that it listens on um, so what people will do is they'll take ip ranges and they'll just scan across them with nmap um, and they'll seek to identify servers that have these these vulnerable services that are listening um, and they'll do things like they'll enumerate that and then they'll go through and try to either connect if there's no authentication or they'll start trying to brute force those things. And so um, that's another thing to think about as well. If you don't have protections on those services, then that's a possible vector that they can also get you by. So WordPress as well. So as, as you're um, on that host, we'll get into a little bit of some of the specific things about securing uh, WordPress, but you have to be able to administrate that remotely as well. I mean, almost all of the websites in the internet are run now remotely. You're not sitting physically at the server typing on the keyboard with a monitor plugged into that server. So um, this is where this you have to allow for remote administration and it requires you to be thoughtful and careful in your setup and operations of it. So um, if we, we go up from that operating system, so let's say we've, we've got MySQL, it's not listening on a public port now, we've uh, got the, we're using SSH, we've got maybe key-based authentication set up, or if you're not using key-based authentication with SSH, please uh, use a secure password because uh, there's, just like with the Nmap scanner, there's lots of SSH brute force attacks, and uh, if you pick a poor password, uh, you will get brute forced on the SSH port. You should also disable root login from that SSH port. Pick a, a username um, that you log in as you. Um, that's just going to stop a lot of just the, the drive-by brute force uh, attack stuff as well uh, because the, everyone knows that root is the super user on all of the Linux machines. There's no reason to allow you to log in directly to that. You should have to go onto the server and then either su or sudo ideally in to execute commands as root. Um, but as, as we're going to look um, and talking about some of the stuff, I mean, should I be running my web server as root? Um, should I be running, should PHP be running as root? Or, or what do you do from that user and group permission setup piece? Yeah, that's a great, um, so as far as that layer goes, like you obviously never want that to be executing as root, right? Because what that means is any of your, your web application code 
actually has root privileges, which translates to ownership of the machine, right? So you want to run that in the most contained environment you can. Um, and there's, there's various ways to achieve that. Um, one is by not executing as that root user, creating a user. Um, www data is like the standard, like across almost everything. Like you're just going to create a www data user and you're going to have your web server execute code as that user. And um, what you want to do with that user is lock the permissions down to exactly what your web application needs to access. And so what that turns out to be is it's a short list of things, mainly um, your web content directory, so your web root directory, um, as well as some other various things on the OS that it's going to need to access to actually run and perform its function. Um, another important thing to think about there is your, your database credentials. So WordPress connects to the database. How is it connecting to the database? Is it connecting as a root user or is it connecting as an actual database user? Um, many people probably don't realize, but there's if you have root access in a MySQL database, there's lots of ways to translate that into root access to a machine. Yeah. Um, you basically have unfettered access to all the MySQL functions, which can translate into just compromises from many different angles. So really important things to think about is like, what permissions does your application have when it's executing on your machine itself? Yeah, my MySQL should also not be running as root. Um, yeah, it should have its own separate database user, whether you call it MySQL or whether you call it local database or whatever you call it, it should run as something else is not as root. The only thing that should run as root is nothing. Um, I mean, there's basically no process on the machine that needs to run with root permissions as a remote listening as part of your application. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you always want to follow principle of least privilege, right? So yeah. um, that's a good way to, um, we're talking about all these different attack vectors and services. It's even for security experts, it's impossible to, to account for every potential threat. Um, so what you have to do is you have to, you have to build up security in layers and you have to take precautions and put in mitigations where you can. And the principle of least privilege is a great mitigation, right? So um, that's just protecting um, your environment, basically segmenting your environment. So if one portion gets compromised, the entire environment is not compromised. Yeah, and then so the, one of the other things that re recommend is uh, you'll hear defense in depth, you'll hear these, these different things, but it's basically um, trying not to rely on just one control. Um, it's like on most people's door on your house, you've got a deadbolt lock, and if you just lock the deadbolt, that's the real safe, super strong lock. But there's also usually a lock on the main doorknob as well. So you've got the deadbolt plus the second little lock, and you can twist them both locked. And is the second one as good and as strong as the deadbolt? No. But if you accidentally forgot to lock the deadbolt once um, or the door wasn't exactly seated right, so you thought you twisted the deadbolt, but it didn't get all the way locked, you still haven't left the door completely unlocked. So while we recommend not running MySQL on that Internet-facing port, um, how do folks set up uh, firewalling on their, their Linux to also then set some local firewall rules to block that MySQL port itself? Yeah, so firewall is another important thing. And you can, you can have a software firewall that actually runs on, in your Linux environment, or you can have a hardware firewall if you're, if you're managing your data center or if uh, your data center provider gives you access to that as well. And sort of the, the same thing applies there. And um, as far as least privilege goes, you only want to allow connections that you expect to happen. And you want to restrict those to IP, the smallest amount of IP space that you can. So basically, if you, even if you are running, say, MySQL and it's listening publicly, um, you might be doing that because you want to connect remotely from you know, your home or um, maybe your VPN, your company's VPN, right? 
um, that's actually okay as long as you've properly configured it and configured the listener and also the firewall. So you can lock it down and say, oh, okay, well, we're only going to allow connections to that MySQL port from this one specific IP address. And as long as you are very confident that only you can connect from that IP address, that's actually okay. Um, so there can, there's another opportunity there to sort of put in a layer of protections for connections to, to all those network services. Yeah, if you wanted to learn more about that, you can uh, look up a Bastion host uh, online. If you Google that and you can read some articles about Bastion host, but yeah, how do you set up that safe, secure management point to then connect in remotely um, to add that next layer of security um, and that Bastion host should have uh, advanced logging, um, multi-factor authentication, all of those things ideally so that you create a, a point to where you could see um, an attacker coming in to try to then be able to get into your actual production infrastructure from there. Right, that becomes the choke point for actually connecting and, and administering anything on, on that server itself. Yeah, so now that we, we've gone through, we're running our web server at the right permissions, we're running our database with the right permissions, um, and so we're, we're going in to uh, uh, check our, our PHP version. Uh, so uh, do we get uh, vulnerabilities and problems in, in PHP, the language itself, or the, the PHP plugin to, the, to allow the web server to execute PHP code? Absolutely. Um, that can be a nightmare and a headache if, if you're not properly configuring and managing that. So once again, um, PHP, like there's a lot of configuration options for PHP. Um, you can you can go in, you can um, allow users to, to basically do as much as they want, or you can restrict some of the functionality. You can actually remove functions that are accessible to PHP. And um, so many people probably aren't aware, but PHP did not originate as a programming language. It was actually part of a, a web-based suite, and the PHP templating part of it took off and kind of left the rest behind, and it has evolved over time into... What we see now is the number one scripting language on the internet. Um, and so what that means is it didn't have a, a solid base and, and firm um, from the ground up construction. Um, so there's lots of lots of legacy things in there that make it difficult to manage at times and um, basically manifests itself as, as various vulnerabilities. And so, um, of course, I you know harping on updating things, but updating, staying current with PHP is a huge thing. Um, and then basically looking at what users can do, what your web application can do with the PHP code. So PHP, really, really common thing is they have a system function and an exec function. And what those are is they basically pass you to a command line shell. Um, so that's the first thing that you want to disable if you are running web code in PHP. If an attacker is able to compromise your website, upload a malicious PHP file, and then get the web server to execute that PHP file, they can up upload one with a system command or an execute command and basically execute whatever they want on your system. Yeah, if you've ever been in a terminal window on your Mac or in a, a DOS prompt on your, your Windows PC or you, you've been in a, a bash or a CSH or other shell on your uh, Linux and you type in a command ls to list a directory or those things, what attackers can do there and what Justin was describing is they can execute that ls command to list a directory and then instead of it popping back up in a terminal window for them it's going to get rendered as a page inside of the website for them so they can send commands to the the web page and using web protocols they effectively have a local terminal on your computer that just goes back and forth over that web port so 
they're not even connecting in via SSH, you won't see that local shell connection. It'll just look like more web traffic on your website. So if you're looking at your, your logs or if you've got an intrusion detection system that's checking to see SSH connections or if you only allow SSH connections from that Bastion host, if you're allowing PHP to exec commands and they're able to get PHP files into your site, it's just going to look like web traffic. Right. Yeah. And there's there's various vectors to come about that. So and basically the, the attack vector for that is, OK, I have a vulnerability in my in my website. So maybe someone's able to upload content to a directory that I didn't expect or write files to a directory that I didn't expect, whether it's um, provided as a functionality of the website or not. Um, maybe I'm not filtering out my images properly so someone can upload an image that's actually a PHP script and then request it and my web server will execute it. So, um, and that's just a, a variety of the, the ways that that can occur. And ultimately, if you're not properly uh, restricting the permissions of PHP as well as what functions are available, um, that manifests itself as potentially full takeover of the machine. Yeah. And I mean, this goes into, so you've got the PHP security piece itself, but then also uh, you mentioned in there in that website of being able to upload content to a, a directory and or to um, even read files maybe in a directory that you didn't expect uh, on the website. I think all of us have probably seen this when you go out to a, somewhere, a website on the internet, and all of a sudden it pops up a folder browser view for you. And you're like, why is that there? Well, because that wasn't turned off in that website. I um, mean, now you're browsing file directories on there, and there's no... Um, index for that directory that's going to pop up and actually render an HTML page. So the web server says, oh, you must just want to use this as a, a file browser. And now it's just letting you browse the file system on that machine. Uh, so the web server's got all sorts of configuration settings as well to, to dig in and, and to ensure that, yeah, you're not allowing folks to upload additional files um, there with a because most of the web browsing side of the world is a get request. You're getting and downloading things, but you want to be able to upload that user-generated content, allow that into your website. So you're allowing um, either whether it's an HTTP put request or whether it is something actually built into the application code of the website, um, you're often allowing people to upload, and you have to allow folks to write things onto your, your server, either into your database or into a local file system. Um, but there's all sorts of aspects to can, uh, to dig into on the, uh, the security there. So... Let's say we've we've now secured PHP. We've secured our web server, so we're we're up to WordPress. And I thought it was pretty easy. I just put WordPress in the machine, and I go in there and I install a bunch of plugins. And then in that little WordPress admin user interface, it just says update all your plugins. And I just click the little update button, and everything just updates and works, right? For the most part, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Except when it doesn't. Except when it doesn't. So yeah. that. Securing WordPress can be um, almost as complicated as you want or as simple as you want if you if you know what you're doing. So um, kind of the same thing there. You want to look at what your attack surface is, understand. Um, so the best thing you can do is educate yourself on web attacks, like common things. The OWASP top 10 is a great place to start and really understand what attackers are doing and what the biggest threats that face web, face web applications are. Um, and you can start with that and take that knowledge and start translating it into securing your site itself. Um, the first most obvious place that everyone should start is, are, do you have SSL? Are, do you, yeah. are you supporting TLS? Um, and there is no excuse for anyone at this point to not be using TLS. Um, yeah, let's, let's encrypt. encrypt free. Yeah, we both Absolutely said it. We free. were brain connection right there. Let's encrypt free certificates for all. Yes. And it takes no time at all. Um, our platform actually supports complete integration with it. You can have a certificate set up in under five minutes with a few clicks. It, it's seamless yeah. and it's free for everyone. And what that does is that allows all traffic that's going to and from your website to be encrypted. 
Um, and that's important for your, your users. That's also important for you as an administrator. So when you're, when you're making changes to this WordPress site, you're connecting to it remotely over the internet and using the WordPress admin panel. Um, and you want to make very, very certain that those connections are encrypted. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you face the risk of someone man in the middle you and being able to, to basically take over your website. Yeah, so uh, on my website, if I'm running WordPress, should I, the, the admin panel, I think it defaults to slash WP dash admin. That's correct. Yeah, Absolutely. Sh should I leave it there? Um, no. Best practice is to, to remove that. Also remove, you know, the default admin user that's created. Um, and then, so you can sort of, do some security by obfuscation there and sort of move things out of the expected place. And what that does is that raises the bar significantly for attackers that are doing these drive-by hits on your site, right? Um, they don't, like all of a sudden, it's not very easy for them to like find your login page. And so they'll move on to the next. Yeah, because there's there's a, maybe a billion WordPress sites on the internet, so. Right, there is there is over a billion. It's it's about a quarter of the internet. I think twenty eight percent the last time I checked. So it it's a wide variety, and you'd be surprised some of the sites that you're on that you're like, oh man, this is actually a WordPress site. Like it's become a very flexible and expandable platform. Yeah. So uh, going in uh, on WordPress, so you you've got themes and plugins, and and if I want to um, pick a theme or a plugin, how do I know if it's safe and secure? Is there a, a a good housekeeping seal of approval out there on themes and plugins? Is there something that says these plugins are safe to use? They've got some reasonable level of auditing and updating and patching, and and they have developers in their community that are paying attention to security mailing lists. Yeah, yeah, and the best, most obvious place is the WordPress approved like plugin and theme repos. So um, they have a review process for people submitting plugins to those. Um, yet, sort of like we talked 